You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Church, it's Naomi here. It is such a pleasure to be with you and share some thoughts with you this morning, um, albeit virtually. There are so many things that I love about being in a city. Last year, me and my friend moved to a new um, area in Manchester and there were a few things that we could do to get to know it better. Um, We could go on little walks, we could introduce ourselves to our neighbours and I found that one of the best ways to take the temperature of what's going on in your community, to get to know it, to take it all in, is to take the bus. Now, I don't drive, which sometimes people interpret as an environmental statement. It wasn't meant to be. I might get to it one day, but it means that I take the bus a lot. And things often take a lot longer by bus. It causes you to slow down. You need to work to someone else's timeline and not your own. But I felt God nudging me in a few ways around it, around proximity, and how even taking the bus helps me to be connected to people and places um, in a whole new way, and that I actually need to to be quite conscious about that and to be intentionally present and purposeful when I'm on the bus. So as well as creating opportunities for conversations with a diverse range of people and opening up ways to be kind to strangers or having those quick interactions with people that allows you to speak encouragement into someone's life, the bus can also be a reminder of the struggles and the pain in our city. And in recent weeks, I've, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed depravity and racism and threats and almost a full-on fistfight. Maybe that's just my bus route. But the point is that it's increased my proximity, the closeness I have to my community. And I, and I feel like God's nudged me even on things around like not wearing um, my headphones when I listen to music, not then listening to it on my phone, but just not listening to music um, or a podcast. Um, because I found that for me, it allows me to be present in a whole new way, more interruptible. I can pray as I go for the people in the streets that I walk down. And proximity means nearness in time, space or relationship to something or someone And in a city, in their very nature, in the way that they develop and grow, we're in close proximity to one another and a lot of other people. And I think God loves to use that. And he asks us to live out the good news of the gospel in our city. God loves a city. They're all over the Bible and they're often strategic to God's plans and purposes. Two of the recorded times that Jesus weeps, one is over the death of his friend and one is over the city of Jerusalem because it wasn't living out God's God's plans and purposes for it. And in the book To Transform a City, the authors explain that any story of how Christians converted the empire is of how they Christianised the cities. Christianity in its early years was primarily an urban movement, so found in cities. Even as Paul anticipated the end of his life, he was still plotting how he could get to Rome, a powerful centre of influence. Cities are fundamental to the plans of God. We have a unique opportunity being in a city. Connections, conversations and transitions happen at a much higher rate than anywhere else. And there is purpose in you being where you are. Jeremiah 29, 7 says this. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We are to seek the prosperity of our city. And one of the ways to do that is to increase our proximity to it, to get close, to know God's purpose for it, ask him for his love for it. 
city here can be understood as town or place. Why not? Don't count yourselves out. We only need to look at the values of the kingdom to see what a prospering city looks like. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus lays out the values and teachings of the kingdom. And it's a place where the poor are blessed and honoured, where children are valued, where servanthood is valued over power, where we love our enemies, where we do good to those who hate us and we pray for those who mistreat us, where there is giving and generosity and love, prayer and forgiveness, reconciliation, honesty and good deeds. And in Isaiah 65, God lays out the blueprint of a city built by God. Just imagine this place described here, a place of joy and absence of weeping and crying, a place for meaningful work, to live out your full life, to have intergenerational family support with rapid answers to prayer, the blessing of God, an absence of violence, people sowing and reaping. Who doesn't want to live in a place like that? And we know that we can get glimpses of the kingdom. We work towards it and we pray for it. It's not just large scale church projects or charities that get this done and and get to see more of the kingdom and bring it in. It's you on your commute. It's how you pray for your neighbours. It's how you speak to your kids. It's, It's when you forgive those who hurt you and when you give generously. It's about choosing God's way when it is so easy to slip into the slipstream of what the world around us is doing. And I believe it's also about getting close to our city. So let's keep our eyes on God. He loves cities and he wants to use us to see it transformed. We could speak for ages about the state of our city, Manchester, but just to choose one point of comparison, Manchester hit the headlines recently, not about the football, but about how the last 18 months have exposed decades old inequalities. We've experienced, this is mad, the steepest decline in national life expectancy over the past year since World War II. That doesn't sound like the dreamy blueprint laid out in Isaiah 65, where people live out their full lives. Inequalities, poverty and a whole host of reasons play into this. But we long pray and work to see the kingdom of God break out. With every interaction we have with people, we can be living out that verse in Jeremiah to seek the prosperity of our city. We long for our city to be better off with us having been in it, not because of us, but because of what God can do through us. And we give all of the glory to him. Greater Manchester is home to almost three million people. And you might think, what can I do to see the prosperity of the city? Even the biggest extrovert can't get close to befriending that many people. But each of us loving and befriending the people that God brings before us, we can have an impact. And by looking for opportunities to love and befriend, to pray and seek the peace of the city, God will put people on your path or he'd show you a path or something, a path that he'd like you to take where there are people there that he needs you to befriend. Think of how you came to know Jesus, who or what helped you to figure things out and stick around. A guess would be that it was someone who befriended you, who showed you kindness, who was generous and showed you something of the love of God. A friend is a very powerful thing. I once found out that I was living with mice in the way that you don't want to find out that you're living with mice when you're sat on a sofa and they're trying to claw their way out of it. I was pretty frozen with fear when this was all kicking off Um, and I called a friend just to help talk me down from the sofa. I needed a mate, a calm voice um, at the end of the phone to help me negotiate one of my fears. 
And the good friend, the excellent friend that she was, got into her car within minutes, loaded with rubber gloves and buckets, um, and was and was with me and, and fearlessly, or so I thought, tried to lure the critter out. What a friend. How amazing. Speaking later about it, she admitted that she also really hated mice, but she had done the maths on the way over on the phone and decided that I was way more freaked out. So it was worth the cost to show the value of our friendship. So not only saved the day, but also swallowed their own fear to help their friend out. What a gift. My friend could have so easily just shouted advice from the sidelines, told me of their best mouse catching techniques. um, And I really would have felt like they cared, but they chose to get stuck into my mess, got inconvenienced and helped in a moment of need. In Proverbs 29, No, Proverbs 27, verse 9, it says, Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. What a stunning verse. Don't we want to see that for our city? That the way that we love and befriend people would refresh the soul, awaken hearts with joy and allow people to experience God's presence at work. Is that where you're at? We've been robbed of being able to interact with people in the ways that we're created to for a little while now. How are your friendships doing? Are all the people in your friendship circle, people that you draw on, people you feel very comfortable with, people who you find re-energising and refueling? I really hope that there are those people in there. And also that there is a balance too of people who you befriend, who cost more of your time, your energy, your resources. And that sounds a bit odd. Why would you wish that for me, Naomi? But it's how Jesus lived and we follow him. He had disciples who lacked tact, who wavered and argued among themselves. He was constantly followed by crowds who were sometimes clinging on to his every word and other times picking up rocks to stone him. But he chose to stay close to people, even though it cost him. In the UK, our culture can be understood as individualistic, which just means that the norm can be to lean towards thinking only of ourselves or our tight-knit crew, sometimes at the expense of others. From the way that we're schooled through to the media we consume every day, it's it's about you protecting what's yours and increasing what you have. We get to follow Jesus's example and friendships and no surprise, he does things differently. I love that about Jesus. He has revealed so much to us in scripture and through a living relationship with him of how we do this. This culture of individualism can mean that we have to fight a bit harder to befriend our city. Showing friendship to strangers that is self-sacrificial goes against the grain. If you've ever done a giveaway with a small group, for example, then, then you'll know what I mean. People often don't know what to do when you offer them something for free with no catch, to love on them just for the sake of loving on them. And I and I hope and I, and I bet that every now and again that's giving you the opportunity to share your faith, to share about why, why we love people and, and, and maybe even led to being able to, to help somebody realise that for themselves. And it's about knowing your identity, where you come from. Again, the authors of um, To Transform a City write that when we serve, we are not community volunteers. We are kingdom workers. In doing this, we live out what we believe about the gospel. We give credibility to the power of the gospel at work in our lives. And we know that the gospel isn't just about our salvation in eternity. It's about transforming 
transformative life here and now. We're not just sinners saved, full stop. We can often focus on, on the fall and, and, and how Jesus made everything right again by redeeming us, which is what we're here for. But let's not forget that in Eden, everything was right and good once and it will be again. God is in the process of reconciling everything to himself and by living out the values of the kingdom, genuinely loving our city and loving the king, when we're embedded in our cities and in our communities, it might only bring the slightest change from your perspective or your perception, but we know that God can use and multiply everything that we do, which is pretty good news. And it's no surprise that friendships offer practical and emotional support as well as actual benefits that make you happier and healthier. We are built for this stuff. Befriending isn't about everyone becoming your best mate. Please don't hear me wrong. Jesus never expected that or modelled it. He had a few close friends but showed kindness and compassion towards people, even even strangers. Um, and that's what I'm getting at. These be, these might be short interactions with someone you may never see again on the bus, or it could be investing in a friendship or, or volunteering or showing kindness to a colleague that you, that you might struggle with. And Jesus calls us his friends. So we just get to follow his example. It's always very simple. John 15, it says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. For Jesus, the poor were not his customers, they were his friends and his fellow ministers. Jesus didn't have moments of compassion, he had a movement of compassion. Moved by compassion, he taught the crowds. Moved by compassion, Jesus healed the sick. Moved by compassion, Jesus fed. You can see all of this in the Gospels. This is integral. It's who we are. It's in the way we might welcome people on a Sunday to how we want to see people healed and the way that we we learn or we teach as well as how we see people clothed and want to see people fed. 422, if you've recently joined us, is a building project that we've undertaken in our city. It's a space for us to love on our community through an affordable cafe space and other projects and through partnering with others to make a difference in in our area, which experiences some of the highest levels of poverty in the UK. 422 is us showing up in our community in a big way and getting close to it. It probably would have been easier to shout or give advice from the sidelines of the needs that we see in our community and say that somebody should really do something about the people not having enough to eat, people being lonely, about a whole community feeling forgotten and cycles cycles of hopelessness and poverty reproducing themselves throughout generations among so many other things. Instead, we've got stuck in in a big way and we're already seeing God at work. Even just being able to have volunteers in um, each week at 422 throughout some really dark lockdown times has been a lifeline, not just for people within Manchester Vineyard who know and love Jesus, but it has been a space for God to use us to befriend our community and make people feel welcome and a part of something. And it sounds a bit bonkers, but I really do believe God is so present and often softening people's hearts when they're through the doors of 422. Local people have, you know, coming to have a look around, have stood in the dust and chaos um, and said totally unprompted, wow, I feel so special in here. Someone else with a pretty hardy reputation broke down in tears when sharing about a recent pain in his life. 
and totally out of the blue, uh, a lady delivering post the other day didn't want to leave. She just wanted to know more about the project and what it's about. And there's just something, this softness that happens with people when they're in the building. When sharing about our motivation and purpose and generosity with this building, we make a very loud statement about what we're about and who we're for. So it's no surprise that it has led to conversations about Jesus. Funders, visitors, volunteers and partners have asked to know why we're taking this on when it's not going to benefit us in the same way that a church building was would. And we get to share our faith in God pulling this whole project together like he has done so far and we trust in him for what is ahead. Serving selflessly creates the opportunity for others to see, taste, feel and smell the kingdom of God. Seeing and pointing to God's fingerprints all over this project shows people that there is a power at work on their behalf capable of transforming individuals and redeeming communities. And I can't wait to see more of that through this project. We are a people transformed by the love of God, loving on our community with that same love. And we know that that love cost God so much to send his son, but the reward was bountiful. Serving and loving is a cost that we're supposed to bear. It gets us closer to him. It gets us closer to the people on his heart. In Matthew 14, Jesus had just learned that his friend and cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed. Verse 12 reads, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus wasn't after proximity to the people in that moment. He hopped on a boat and tried to get to a solitary place to be alone, probably to pray, to be with the Father, to process the news and to be on his own for a bit. But hearing of this, that Jesus had got on a boat, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed, trying to find some alone time, and he saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And we know the numbers, there are about 5,000 at least of them because a few hours later he fed them all. Then after a super late night, he walked on water to help out his disciples who were stuck on, in a storm on the lake. Jumping in at verse 34, we find Jesus who had probably had very little sleep, if any. It says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. What? There was no let up for Jesus. The solitary time he did get was in the middle of the night and people were constantly making their needs known to him because they knew that he would have compassion on them and heal them. He stayed close to people, to their needs. He knew their physical needs for food and for safety and health. By miraculously providing those things, he pointed them towards the Father so that they too could know him. Jesus didn't wait for someone to believe before he loved on them. Zacchaeus was still a despised tax collector when Jesus befriended him and invited himself over for lunch. When Jesus cured 10 lepers in Luke 17, only one of them made the connection and came back to thank him, but that didn't stop Jesus from doing it anyway. 
how does all of that sit with you? Does that stir something within you, um, in your soul and excite you? Or are you just tired, tired of living on the city, of, of people in your community, whatever that might be, of being the one who's always giving out? Or, or, or are you just finding it hard to love Manchester even? When you look at Jesus' life, it was the crowd that he fed, healed and released that called for his crucifixion just a few chapters on. He knew that was coming, but he did it anyway. If anyone is going to understand how you're feeling, it's God. Get before him, get into his presence, ask him for his love and his strength to to go again. That's the only thing that can sustain us. Ask for his heart, his love, his peace, his generosity. He is a generous God who loves to show us and teach us these things. Our city is on God's heart. The people of Manchester are on God's heart. And he has been at work here long before we were. And he wants us. To, he wants to use us. What an absolute privilege to be his hands and feet in ushering in more of his presence and his kingdom into our community. So we must be sensitive for these God moments. That moment when you think God might be up to something in a conversation or a moment when someone might grow surprisingly curious or open to a deeper conversation about him. And sometimes it is so obvious when the Holy Spirit is at work um, and he's almost saying to us, like, keep up and see what I'm doing. Um, I was um, with an Uber driver once in in an Uber um, and the conversation led to talking about God's love. He was he was a Muslim. And and as he drove, he explained that his hands were were tingly and hot. And that as I was um, speaking, that he felt a bit weird. Um, but good weird and I did check that he wasn't just taking a funny turn Um, and obviously no one had explained to him that that was the Holy Spirit at work and after I got over the shock that God would use this moment um, in an Uber um, I I explained that that was God's spirit and that God was just showing him that he loves him and sometimes that's obvious and it takes you totally by surprise and other times it's less obvious on a train a few years ago now, I felt like God was giving me a word for the person I was sat next to, and I just could not find the courage to turn to them and say, I feel like God has given me a word for you, um, because I just didn't want them to think that I was a nutter. I just couldn't get over my pride. Um, so I wrote it down on a note and I handed it to them as I got off the train, um, which I now realise is much more weird. Um, and I'll never know if that was a God moment or Holy Spirit prompting, because um, I didn't wait around long enough to find out I think I actually legged it down down the platform trying to get away um but one of my most frequent prayers these days is God what are you doing what are you up to what are you doing in this moment I want to be so in step with the spirit with my heart positioned towards him and to other people for these moments to happen God what are you doing in this person that I can encourage what are you up to in this situation who do I need to eat my lunch with at work how can I get closer to you by getting closer to the people on your heart. It can cause us to have so many unlikely conversations about the king and his kingdom. We don't have to leave people guessing as to why we might take our neighbour's bins in, why we're doing 422, why we're caring for someone who's sick, or whatever it might be. Our words serve to clarify the reasons for our deeds. Jackie Pullinger is a lady who felt called by God to live among addicts, gangs and violence in the walled city in Hong Kong around 50 years ago. When asked um, what it was like feeling that God was calling her to a place where she didn't know the language, she said, if I'd have known Chinese, I would have said too much. 
I thought that preaching the gospel was just explaining about how Jesus came to die for your sins. And of course, that's not preaching the gospel at all. When asked why not, she said it was a good thing because I found out that the people there were not listening anyway. They were watching to see how I acted, whether I really did love them. And if I really did love them, maybe God really did love them too. In the same way that light travels faster than sound, people will see before they hear, even if we're speaking. It's our actions. She then, Jackie Pullinger then obviously did share the gospel with her words, but people were watching her before they were listening. So we are to have a lifestyle of love and compassion. In To Transform a City and other books like The Art of Neighbouring, the authors talk about our ultimate and our ulterior motive. Our ultimate motive is that we obviously want everyone to be in right relationship with God through Jesus in the same way that God desires this. And we have so many spaces and places that we can do that. And an ulterior motive in an ulterior motive in loving and serving others means that we do acts of love and service to others so that they become Christians. And this can leave you feeling disappointed if that doesn't happen. After healing the 10 lepers, Jesus being excellent, obviously didn't kick off that only one of them came back and made the connection to thank him. But he could have kicked off. Only one. That's the last time I do anything for anyone. But thankfully he didn't and it wasn't. And I love that straight after this in Luke, Jesus goes on on to talking about the kingdom of God. The Pharisees were asking Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied that the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is at work in your lives and relationships. Look at what God is up to in your heart and the people around you and call it out. Sometimes befriending looks like showing up to serve someone, um, like getting the mice out of a sofa. And other times it's being able to call out the gold in somebody. And this term is borrowed from Tom Camacho's book on coaching called Mining for Gold. And there are some helpful tips we can borrow when befriending people with a kingdom mindset. So the basic tips are to slow down and ask God to show you the golden people, the ways that he's at work, the good things inside them that we can call out. He says, we cannot mine for gold in others until we begin to see them through the eyes of the spirit. We can pray and ask God to show to show you how he sees the people you work with. Mining for gold asks us to truly let go of our thoughts and judgments and allow the Holy Spirit to show us his thoughts and purposes for a person. We give the Holy Spirit control of the person's development, take time to deeply listen to others and ask God where he is working in their lives. I may be simplifying this too far, but as well as in a coaching context, I believe that we can do this with anyone we meet. Be alert in every conversation about what God is up to. Call out in people what you see of the kingdom. Where where can you see Jesus's character? Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in the heart of man. There's something in everyone. And sometimes that's easier to see and, and call out in some than others. Again, we don't need to look far to see what we're calling out. Back to Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. Wherever you see generosity, love, kindness, um, peace, um, reconciliation and good deeds, the, the kingdom is an attractive thing, but it's nothing without the king. So we pray too for opportunities to share about, what, about Jesus and what he's done. Coming alongside people, serving, loving and befriending can open up those conversations. We need to get close to God, to ask him what he's up to and call it out. 
our proximity to the Father is more important than anything else. It's only from there that the rest of this can flow out. So I hope this comes to you as an encouragement and and um, yeah to to finish to finish up. Let's just let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to 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 do and and move in whatever way He wants to. So. Father, we, we welcome your spirit in this place. We, we thank you that, that you are um, you're the centre of all of this. God, I just pray that you would just remind us again that without you, we, we can do nothing, Lord. And I just pray for, for anyone who feels like the, their, their wells have run dry or they feel tired or, um, or like they're, just like they're done, they're done with it, Lord. I just really pray that, um, that you would draw close, that, that by increasing our proximity to you, Lord, yeah, that you would, that you would help us with those relationships and, um, and, and, I, and I also pray that, um, for for people who might feel I feel like God might be saying that there are people who feel like the way that God used to use your relationships with people and friendships in a way that you feel like that might have been lost in this season for like he's saying let's go again there are people on my heart you're my hands and feet let's go again yes Lord Yes, so Lord, I, I just pray that we would that we would draw close to you, and 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 where we might feel like looking around at our friendship groups and the the ways that we even spend our time, our resources, our energy, um, that you would just do any recorrecting or course correcting that you need to do on that, Lord, um, and even now that you would be putting putting things in our minds whether that's people or places that we need to go or ways that we can draw close to our community lord that you would that you would do that that you're in your creativity and and your guidance that you would that you would help us get close increase our proximity to people and places and and give us your discernment um to be able to to know what what you're up to Father, I thank you that you you are such a friend to us and we don't have to look far to to know how to do this stuff well, Lord. I, I pray that you would um yeah, that you would just speak to us afresh through through the Bible and um through your yeah, through your word, Lord, and um for for people who feel even themselves like they don't um have those solid friendships themselves that they would know that 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 you are the best place to start lord and that in you we have all that we need hmm. so we'll, um there'll be some some quiet music playing and i just encourage you to um to stay in this place whatever the lord might be speaking to you about hmm. and be blessed Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.